Hey friends, before I begin, let's bow our heads in prayer. Let us pray. Father in heaven, cover us with your grace and your light and grant us wisdom to understand your words and teach us, Lord, your way all the way from Genesis to Revelation throughout this year. And so may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts, O Lord, be acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. <coughs> This is probably my first uh, Sunday service preaching here, apart from last uh, weekend watch night. And so before I even begin, let me begin first with an apology. Uh, Trinity Methodist Church is a long history of tradition, ritual, uh, very rich liturgy and many people. And uh, Gauri and I come in like orang baru. Uh, orang baru, sometimes we make mistakes, we step on people's feet or we turn our tail, we're a bit like dinosaurs, you know, we, we have big feet, big tails, we might uh, inadvertently say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing. And so if you will forgive us, give us enough time to familiarize ourselves with the way we are used to worshipping together and hopefully we will uh, step less on each other's feet and learn to dance with each other a little bit better. Pastor Wayan actually left a, a preaching outline for this year and uh, it's covering in a way the cycle of the Bible uh, beginning with creation, the fall, uh, the redemption and the new life in uh, the heavenlies. So in a way, I'm beginning today's uh, series with this whole idea of uh, creation. Let me first ask you this question. When was the last time you actually paused to look outside and enjoy what God has created? Uh, I don't know, some of you may do this as a daily thing. Uh, some of my friends, on the other hand, they never see the light of day. Uh, what I mean by that is I have some friends in the past and even now who tell me uh, I work and I commute to work uh, one of them stays in Malacca, works in KL. So every morning, somewhere around 5 o'clock, he gets up before the sun rises, drives all the way down to KL. Uh, his uh, base is in Shah Alam. He's a logistics guy. And uh, he's in his office, busy sending out stuff. He's a Ministry of Defence contractor. So in his office, in his tower, in his room, uh, he's sending out instructions, sending out people all throughout the world. He says, I normally break for, for lunch and dinner, but uh, I go back normally after 8 p.m. He goes back, back to him, he's back to Malacca. <laughs> Not to KL, back to Malacca. So that's another two-hour commute. He gets home somewhere around 10, says hi to his wife and his daughter, who he doesn't see so much because she's in school, and that's life for him. But once a year, he will go on a holiday and he will totally switch off everything and he will try to enjoy himself. And I asked him last time, you know, do you enjoy what you're doing? He says, yes, I do. But do you enjoy this world? And he had to stop and think because he said, I have not really 
lived life. I say, when was the last time you actually tasted your coffee? <laughs> when you actually ate your bread and said, mm, the kaya is good. Or when you ate a kueh, peranakan, nyonya kueh from lacquer, and it was good. So too often we have this world that God created, but we do not take time to enjoy the simple pleasures in life, conversation, friendship, a rainbow in the sky, the hills. I don't know about you, but the parsonage, the man's here, has a beautiful view of the hill. Uh, so every once in a while, I wake up, I go out for a walk, take my dog out for a walk, and we look up the hill. Uh, the other day, the hill disappeared. <laughs> it disappeared because there were clouds over it, and it was raining, but the clouds were there. But it's majestic. It's an island. It has a hill in the center, and it's beautiful. But I don't know how many Penangites actually look up and say, I look up to the hills from whence comes my help, and rejoice over that. But more amazingly, when I think about God, I realize that He does things even when no one's watching. There was once I was in a Kanye Dam. We went to visit a friend and we were on this boat. Uh, we, this place was this place called Ramez Raket. It's uh, on the dam itself, uh, on the river. Sorry, not the river, the dam. Very deep water. And to get from the jetty to this uh, Raket place, takes you about an hour's boat ride on a sampan. So here we are weaving through and every once in a while you see a tree uh, coming up. But it's a very desolate but beautiful place. But what I, why I remember it was because I was tired. I was on this boat and I was on this boat with, uh, with at that time, someone whom I didn't know who would later on become my wife. So that's why it's especially beautiful. Uh. So when people ask, where did you meet your wife, Kim? I said, in the middle of a jungle, <laughs> on a dam, where God was there. And she was there. At that time, I didn't know that we would end up uh, together. But it was a beautiful dam, very still. And there were eagles that were flying over the waters to catch fish. And I was thinking, God, you prepare these kind of images and spectacles when no one's even watching. I turned to the boat guy and I said, Ini tiap tiap hari ada ka? I said, yeah, tiap tiap hari ada. And so this is the wonder of a God who does things when no one's watching because it pleases Him to do things beautifully, to do things most excellently in its most marvellous way. And yet we don't see. Because for us, we, we live in a culture where it's performance-based. Uh, I perform when others are watching. But when others are not watching, then it's a different story. It's something else. But the image of God that we see is one who is creative, active, perfect, all the time. I used to have a friend who said, you know, uh, we are called to be like God. And if God were a flower, whether the flower is facing a cow or a human being, it is still a flower. But when it comes to humans, when we like the person, we are like a flower. But when we don't like the person, we become bunga tai ayam. Very smelly, very ugly, and we are nasty to people. 
And so we fail to be a constant, persistent image that God is. God is love and He is loving to all, even His enemies. So we know on the cross, He said, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they are doing. Love, both for the good and the evil. But for the church, sometimes we say evil place, evil has no place in the church. You get out. You do not belong here. Yesterday, we were at a chat together with uh, Trifina Law. She's coming and speaking to our youths now. And she is speaking on behalf of the LBGT community. LBGTQ now. Lesbian, bisexual, gray, uh, what, uh, gay, transgender, queer. Many, many acronyms at the end. But she said amongst the LBGTQ community, none of them would step into a church because the church would be the last place that would welcome them. But if the church is meant to be a place where sinners are welcome, they are most in need of being here. And how will the church function? Because God intends to bless them. So my dear friends, if you've been waiting to see whether this pastor will say, can I bring my very polite friend or my unusual friends and bring them here, please, by all means do. They need the love of God with them. So in this background, we have this God who has created this beautiful world and does this perfectly, even if we're not watching. Even when the tree falls in the forest, the forest hears, we don't. And our text begins with this statement in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. So if you have your Bibles with you, whether it's on your phone or your iPad or on the Pew Bible, do open it because I'm going to go through this text. It says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and now the earth was formless and empty, darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Now, above that, you have some squiggly, squiggly words. In, in, uh, they look a bit like tauge, but they're not. It's actually Hebrew. In Hebrew, it says, Bereshith bara Elohim et ha-shemaim ve'et ha-aretz. In Hebrew, it actually means Bereshith, beginning, or in beginning. Uh, Ber is the preposition, Ber, ber uh, preposition in, beginning. Ber Bereshith. So, um, the English loses a little bit about this because it says, in the beginning, making it a special, specific beginning. But the Hebrew actually says, in beginning, whatever beginning it is, whether it's many or one or a type, it is in beginning. In beginning, Elohim. Elohim actually in the Hebrew is a masculine, plural, absolute in terms of its tenses, in terms of its uh, language. Now, this is unusual because we say Elohim, God, is one. But this is a plural one. The difference is between one grape and one bunch of grapes. And so right from the beginning, there is always also this indication that God is an entity. And within this entity, later on, Christ reveals it as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. 
Now the earth was formless and empty. Formless and empty. The tauge at the bottom, right? This one here that you see here is another uh, Hebrew word which I memorized in the seminary because it was very funny at that time. It, it actually says, Tohu Wabohu. Sounds like Hokkien. Huh? Like when Wa Be Heo Kong. Tohu Wabohu is um, a very interesting uh, Hebrew word that means nothing, emptiness, kosong. Zero. And here at the beginning of this statement in Genesis, before all our signs had occurred, before all the civilizations had basically figured out how the world is created, it makes a phenomenal theological statement that is the premise for the entire Bible. Its first premise is one, before all things, God that in God, He is the source of all reality, He is the source of all material and all creation. Before God, nothing. And if you would believe it or not, if you were to go to a physicist or astrophysicist or, or any of these science uh, guys nowadays, they would agree with you. Because the premise of the Big Bang is that before the Big Bang, there was nothing. How does something as huge and infinite as this universe come out of nothing? That one is still the realm of where uh, quantum physics and all forms of physics are still trying to figure out how that works. But the Bible begins with this very simple statement that we understand. Before anything, God. And at this point, when God is there, there was nothing. But as soon as He says something, reality, material, physical stuff happens. And science has yet to dispute that. In fact, it says the universe is still growing at the first instance at point zero 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 before time existed. You will realize that in the equations for physics, uh, time only exists when there is mass matter, physical stuff. So time begins when the universe is created. Again, it's not a scientific formula in the Bible, but a true statement that says, before all things, God. It is also a statement in the Bible that contradicts every other culture out there. Because in the ancient cultures, the ancient Near East culture said that the gods existed and matter and material were already there. And that these gods shaped the matter in order to form the earth. The Hebrew Bible says, no, that is not the case. God first. Why is that important? Because if you were, uh, if, say for example, if you believe, like the Buddhists or the Hindus do, that life is perpetual, that it carries on and on and on, it also assumes that matter was there even before life began, that it will always exist and always continue. But that is not what we understand of the Bible. Before matter, God. And at the end, still God. 
So we have this statement, phenomenal theological statement that defies all philosophies, defies all worldviews, that before this world, before every thought came in, God pre-existed everything, is from everlasting to everlasting, and He calls out, out of nothing. We call it a creatio ex nihilo. So uh, you will find in your bulletin notes. So if you want to take notes in case you fall asleep, <laughs> I have a very strong gifting. My gifting is I tend to put people to sleep. Uh, you don't believe me, you ask most parents uh, when they give me the baby, as soon as I start talking, the baby... <laughs> so I've given you some notes. And uh, just to explain a little bit about the notes, there's this acronym SOAP. Scripture, Observation, Application, and Prayer. Okay, so soap. You use soap to bathe every day. Okay, so out of this scripture, we're going to make three observations. Out of those observations, some applications. And when you go back, you pray and apply these things in life. Okay, so you can fill in the blanks. A first observation, the biblical account begins with God. A plural God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And you say, okay, uh, there's no mention about Jesus there, but there's already this understanding that this God is an entity, one entity with a, with a few persons within them. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Let me bring you back to that particular statement. The Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Now, in Hebrew, the word Spirit is ruach. Ruah is the same word that they use for breath. <sighs> breath or wind, if you want to call it that. So the Spirit of God, the Ruah of God, was hovering over the waters. It's kind of important when you come to Genesis chapter 2. So God is the source and author of all reality of creation. He is not bound by time because He is spirit, he creates time because he brings matter into space. So it is out of nothing but emptiness. In Latin, it says creatio ex nihilo. Creation out of nothing. Can you produce something out of nothing? Well, most of us who realize would say, no, we can't. But marketing people somehow seem to think, yes, we can. We can make money out of nothing. But God is the only one who can create out of nothing. And Big Bang is that first instance of creation. What else does, do we see in this? In verse 3, you have this particular pattern. So if you follow your text, verse 3, and God said, <clears throat> let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and He separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and there was evening, there was morning, the first day. <clears throat> now, I've underlined those items and bolded, so you won't find it in your Bible. Okay, that's, that's my marking. Why do I say this? Now, many people have gone to Genesis and looked at Genesis and said, okay, okay, we want to see whether this Christian uh, Bible or this Jewish Bible or even the Muslim uh, Quran because they take the same references, uh, whether it's reliable and trustworthy. 
And so they go to this and look at it as a proof text for science. But let me tell you that the Bible, especially in Genesis chapter 1, is what we call uh, a creation prose. It is a creation narrative which is written in the form of uh, poetry or pro prose. Uh, how do we see that? You will see this pattern repeated again and again and again. God said, let there be something and it happens. And it was good. Evening, morning, first day. It's a little bit of a side note. Huh? The Jewish day begins from the evening to the morning, not the morning to the evening. So their Sabbath is from Friday evening to Saturday evening. Okay? It is not uh, what Saturday morning to Sunday uh, evening. Not, not that. Why is that important? You begin to realize that the Jewish pattern or God's pattern that's established here is that the day begins with rest. The day begins with rest. Most of us begin the day 6 o'clock, rush, phew, off they go. But what would happen if you changed your ideas and thought that the day begins the night before when I put myself to rest and I rest in God's embrace and when I wake up, I go forth, God has been with me through the night. That is a shift in the attitude and thinking. Evening, morning, first day. So there's this pattern. God says, it happens. When it happens, it's good. And after several things happen, evening, morning, day. Day, first day, second day, third day, fourth day, fifth day, sixth day, right? So you will find, as you look to your text, right? Uh, and this is where it's good to see your pew Bible or in your, your handphone Bible if you want to. Especially the NIV has done it in such a way. You will find that verse 3 Verse 6, verse 9 and 11 will have this statement, and God said, slightly coming out a bit. So there's a pattern there. It repeats itself. And God said, let there be light. Verse 5, and God said, let there be an expanse. In verse 9, God said, let the waters under the sky be gathered under one page. You will see this constant pattern. God said, let there, or let the, whatever, and there was, or it was. It so happened, and it was good. Or, on the last day, the sixth day, it was very good. <laughs> Where else do you find these kind of things? Poetry, literature. So it is a creation poem or a creation narrative or a creation hymn, if you want to call it that, that at its centre has a particular pattern. Day one, day two, day three, day four, five, six has this three, six, nine, eleven, fourteen, twenty, twenty-four plus twenty-six. Why do I say that? In the first three days, you will find that God is creating all the superstructures. He creates the big things. On day four, five, six, He fills those superstructures. He puts stuff in in those structures in the same pattern. Now, if you are writing poetry and you have this, 
you would know that whenever you come to something unusual, the writer is trying to tell you something's different now. And one of the things that's different is on verse 31, it says, it was very good. So let me read to you what verse 31 says. Verse 31 says, God saw all that He had made, and it was very good. There was evening, there was morning, the sixth day. The sixth day. <clears throat> so you have a creation theological statement, right? Then you have three days and another three days. So in order to close this hymn, you must have an ending, right? So my question, which is the second observation is, the pattern established by the creation hymn, prose, shows the pinnacle of all creation to be what? So let me ask you, what do you think is the highlight of the creation narrative? Now, as I grew up, I used to think it must be verse 26, 27. Because in verse 26 and 27, that's where man is created. And he is given uh, dominion over many things, right? Terama, we're all human beings, super. So we think that we're the greatest. But if you follow the hymn, the structure and pattern of the hymn, that's not it. That is not it. Yes, we are one of the greater creations, but that doesn't explain the purpose of this particular writing. And the purpose of the particular writing is not that man is made in the image of God, but it is that chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. Now, we think that chapter 2 is a separate chapter, line story, but in the Hebrew text, they are part of the same writing. And what is it there? It says in verse 2 and verse 3, By the seventh day, God had finished the work He had been doing. So on the seventh day, He rested from all His work, and God blessed the seventh day, made it holy, because on it, He rested from all the work of creating He had done. You know, for the Jewish people, the Sabbath day and the reason why many of the Pharisees and Sadducees argued with Jesus about observing the Sabbath was because it was really, really important to them. But why was it important? Because all of creation in its narrative was pointing towards the Sabbath day. What is that important thing? It defines, in a way, the purpose and the role of man. What is the purpose of man? The purpose of man is that he is made in the image of God to be a reflection of the nature of God. But what is he to do with that? And the answer is, he is to be at rest with God. Now, if this doesn't like sink down to you, let me put it this way. Yeah? You notice the pattern that we always have. Huh? There was evening, there was morning, day, one, two, three, four, five, six. Do you find there was an evening and a morning, day seven? No, right? <clears throat> so what it actually means is that at the end of these six days, on day seven, when God had rested, all of creation, including God, 
the creatures, the animals, the entire universe would be enjoying Sabbath day rest with God for the rest of eternity. It's like having Sunday, no need to work for the rest of eternity. In a way, when we return back to God in Revelation, that is the beginning of the after end, as C.S. Lewis, where every chapter is even better than the chapter before. So what is our end goal? Our end goal is that we might know God and be at rest with Him and be in Sabbath with Him. That is why Jesus came and He is our Sabbath rest, that we might know God and that we might be with Him and we might be in rest. It would be still and cease our striving. So the pinnacle of creation is that God created all things. And when He saw all things, it was very good and He would be their God and they would be His people and He would be with them. You see this refrain repeated many times all the way out to the end. He would be their God, they would be His people and He would be with them. So if you ever wonder what am I here for? I'm created to be a good steward of God's care but I'm also created to be with God at rest in Him. Let me finish very quickly with this last observation. Genesis 2.7 says, And God breathed, Ruach, the Spirit of God, into Adam. And mankind is called into God's work of stewardship in community and relationship. It is not right that Adam is alone. Let me find a helper to be with him. Do not think that your partner is meant to be your subordinate because this helper is also the same term that is used for the Holy Spirit. Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit as, I will give you another advocate, another helper, a parakletos who will be with you. And she, Eve, is made in the image of God, equal with you, different role, but equal of value because both of you reflect the nature of God. So the third observation I want to go to you is that God in, originally intended that His breath, His spirit would be in us that we will be working in partnership with our loved ones, especially those close to us. And now in the time of Jesus, we have the Holy Spirit that is with us. So we are called to reflect God's nature as stewards of this earth in a community relationship of love. That's what it means to be in Sabbath rest with each other. Let me end with this application thoughts. How will you find your rest in God? Is it in the busy pursuit of all things or in trusting God, in daily taking rest each and every day? Will you bear His image wherever it is God has placed you, His creativity, His genius, the fact that He does perfectly, beautifully and wonderfully even if no one is watching and the fact that He shows His love and His creation to all not pile kase. 
And are you caring for one another? Because when you treat someone like trash, you are treating that person who is made in the image of God. The distinctive of the Christian faith is that we see in each other the image of God. Even those who do not call Christ Lord, they are all made in Genesis as the image of God. So when you treat them with contempt, be very careful that you are treating the image of God with contempt too. Hate the sin, love the sinner. God created us, mankind, in His own image. In the image of God, He created them male and female. But our images are broken. Next week, we will have the story of the fall and God continues the story about this. But in Christ, we have, on Colossians 1 verse 15, the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, living with us, in us, around us, and for us. It is that image of God, Christ Jesus, that we reflect now. Dear friends, let us pray. Father in heaven, may your word go forth in your words, in your words alone, not the words of a human being, but may your grace transform us each and every day to be the likeness of Christ Jesus. We pray this and ask this, O Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour. Amen.